Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. finish up a series that we started here at uh, the beginning of the year. We started our neighboring series. And our, our goal with it was, it was really kind of a basic message. And it came from Jesus, really two commandments. To, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And really when we talk about the challenges, if we love God, the, our love for God will be revealed in our love for others and specifically, we've been talking about our literal neighbors. We reminded us a few weeks back that, that God knows exactly where we live and plan exactly where we live. You might think, well, I live where I live because this is what I can afford. I live where I live. This is what my parents can afford if you're still, still in the house growing up. But God and his sovereignty knew. In fact, Acts Bible says this, that God decided exactly when and where you must live. He knew. He knows your GPS location. He knows in the season of your life, and in that, he knows the people around you that God is wanting you to influence, even in our very neighborhood. And so, loving where we live, that, that's, that's our heartbeat behind this. It means to, to express care and help and encouragement and just be available to people that are near you and around you. Jesus says, love your neighbor as your self as yourself. Last couple of weeks, we talked about and, and, and brought into the context of what that really was. And it was around a religious expert who asked the question after they were talking about love your neighbor as yourself. And he asked this question, he says, who is my neighbor? And we attempted to answer that a couple different times by looking at the good Samaritan story, that whole story, that famous story, how there was a couple guys that you know, went around and avoided a guy that was bleeding and dying in a ditch. And there's one guy, that one Samaritan that reached out. And Jesus told those listening and, and tells us even today to go and do likewise. That's what neighbors do. They reach out to those, good neighbors reach out to those that are near them. Now, answering the question of that whole good Samaritan story, if you know that, really you could sum up the story is this, is how do you, who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is those that are near you and they're not like you. See, it's easy to love and care and be people that really like you and have the same values and share the same experiences. And you're, you can get along with those, those kind of people, but the people out there, the people that are different than you. So who are those people? Who's, who's, who's near you, but not like you? Some of you go, my neighbors, my neighbors are like that. Some of you live in neighborhoods where it's a different nationality than you a different background, different lifestyle. And so it's a little bit harder to kind of get to know them a little bit. And these short little moments that we have through our week when we're home or driving away or whatever we're doing. And as we talked last week, it can be difficult because you discover the people that are near you and they're not like you, they got problems. They're, they're messy. There's situations going on. You start talking with them they go, wow, that's a lot to handle. You're like, man, I got my own issues. I can't imagine worrying about anybody else's issues. And that's the challenge of this whole thing. It's a challenge to stretch us a bit, to go outside ourselves, to reach out to people that are near us, not like us. But yet we all can 
And that's why we take intentionality with this is because we can end up defaulting back into our own little bubble, our own little comfort zone and make excuses. Bible says this extra kind of made, he he justified himself. We can justify ourselves. And as we talked before, look for loopholes to get out of loving. But here's the thing. Love doesn't hide. Love doesn't look for a way out. It looks for a way in. And that's what Jesus has called us as followers to do. And that's why we're taking time to focus intentionally about this. We'll talk about ideas and different things to reach out and be good neighbors. And yet, all that being said, as we wrap up this today, felt like I got a kind of a gut check this last week about this. And and I just, okay, Lord, we're going to wrap this up. What do you want to be said? As I'm asking that question every week, God, what do you want me to say? That's the hardest question to answer at times. And yet what I sensed the Lord saying was a warning, a warning that I want to give you and, and for me when it comes to this whole neighboring thing. So as it's doing this whole encounter, this whole Good Samaritan story, you find that when Luke writes this, the next scripture, the next setting is as Jesus leaves these, this religious expert and those who are listening, he goes and visits a couple sisters, pretty well-known sisters. That's the next story that we're going to look at. And it really are real-life examples of talking about neighboring. So we're going to pick up after that Good Samaritan story. We're going to go into Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You can follow along as we have it here. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Some of you are familiar. You've heard the Mary and Martha story before. Some of you, maybe it's new to you. But one thing to keep in mind and know the context of Scripture is Mary and Martha, this is not the only time they're, they're found in Scripture. There's another pretty well-known, credible encounter that took place in the Gospel of John that, he, that John records where Mary and Martha, which is not mentioned today and that we'll be talking about, they had a brother named Lazarus. Now, if you've heard the name Lazarus, you might have known that, that, that story and that encounter that Jesus had. It was one day that Jesus found out that Lazarus was very, very sick. And see that you need to understand the relationship of Lazarus and Mary and Martha with Jesus. It wasn't just there are some faces in a crowd. As far as we look in the Gospels and you study it, you find that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were actually close friends with Jesus. Jesus had his 12, but there also was others around that he was his circle of influence in the people. He had a personal relationship uh, with them. Here they find his good friend is, is, is dying, basically so sick he's going to die. And Jesus waits. He waits. And he's only like a day's journey from where he was to, to Bethany, where they live and Mary Martha's home is. And he, he lets his, his, his friend die. Well, then he, he, three days later, in fact, the fourth day, he, he finds out that, or he, he heals him. Basically, he calls him forth out of the tomb and Lazarus comes back from the dead. It's an incredible, incredible story. That's the same family that you need to understand that this home that we're going to look at here today. I don't know about you, but raising someone from the dead, that's, that's good neighboring, right? That's good. That, if you can do that, that's pretty good. And that's what Jesus models. But then we look at the story of these guys. And it's interesting of the, these ladies, there's some tension in the story, in this visit that happens. It says this, here comes the tension. It says, Martha came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? 
Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, again, pretty familiar story. Here's a really true life example of it really the heart and motivation of neighboring. Contrasting these two sisters, one is doing everything and trying to accomplish everything. One embodies the heart of really uh, what neighboring is, is all about. Here's the thing, that the gut check part for me when it comes to this, is to convey that neighboring, being a neighbor, is not a strategy or a scheme. It's not something that we do and try to, you know, have this whole plan and strategy. Uh, because the reality is, when people get wind of you're doing something in your neighborhood, or trying try to convince somebody to do something, and there's a scheme and strategy, they can smell it a mile away. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. And we gave out these little maps last week, these little block maps where you put yourself and your different neighbors. And it was a strategy that I think is really good where you're looking and go, okay, the people near me, uh, do I know them? Do I know their names? Do I, do I have a, a relationship with any of them? And the look at this, hey, don't put it on your fridge because that's weird when your neighbor comes over and they see, they see their name on here. But use it. Use it as a prayer opportunity. Put it in your Bible and pray for your neighbors. That's a great thing to do. I don't want to discount this what, one bit. This is so important that we're, we are strategic. We are, have a plan to reach out to our neighbors. Everybody in your neighborhood needs to know Jesus if they don't know Jesus. That's, that's the mission of the church. That's the mission God's called us to. Nothing wrong with that. But how we go about that and the way we do that is not some little, little plan. Listen, we're not trying to close any deal on anything. It's not a strategy. Love is a lifestyle. It's what we live. I heard a while back someone say about relationships is this, a true friend, a true friend is delighted to see you, but has no immediate plans for your improvement. I'll read it again. A true friend, a true friend, who's a true friend, is delighted. They can't wait to see you, but has no immediate plans for your improvement. See, have you, haven't you met someone who, who basically they, 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 you meet them and they have a wonderful plan for your life? <laughs> you know, anybody has a strategy for you that you're like, oh, you know, don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. See, nobody wants to be on in someone's to-do list. No one wants to be a project. Love is not just an activity. It's a way of life. It's the motivation. So, you know, looking at this day, the heart and the motivation is this very encounter that we're going to look at. And as we look at the Mary and Martha encounter, you know, Jesus corrects one sister, but commends another. And it's a simple lesson. It's a simple lesson. If I could sum up this morning as we look at this, and it really is, is this, is, this is what it is, is that Jesus offers every one of us a plan B. Jesus offers everyone a plan B. In your life, you're planning things and you got, you know, you got your plan A and that failed. We better have a plan B, the alternative, what we're doing. I'm talking about plan B, plan B. You know, it makes sense hopefully as we get into this. What Jesus offered was a plan B to a type A person like Martha. Now, you don't have to raise your hand unless you're proud of it. If you're a type A person, but I am. I'm a type A person. People know me well enough to go, yeah. 
You are driven. You are determined. You are about the mission. Uh, I do what I do in this job as lead pastor for a reason, right? Uh, it's not to sit on our hands and, and sing kumbaya around a campfire. I am, as you know, God bless you that way. It is about the mission. It is about accomplishing what God has got accomplished. The, the life is short. The mission is too big. Let's get going. Let's get off our duff and get moving, okay? That is me. And, and I like getting people around me, not talk about it, but to do it, to get it done, to get her done. And I'm not a huge fan of Larry the Cable Guy's comedy, but it's one thing I believe. Get her done is a good motto when it comes to life. And so us type A people, if you're a type A person, the problem is in our doing, we can miss the being. And being is, is being in a relationship with Jesus, being in a relationship with others that are around us. And so if you're here today and you do not consider yourself a type A personality, you need to get off your duff and get going and get working. Okay, no, I'm not, I'm kidding on that. Um, we as type A people can learn, we can learn what being is like. It doesn't mean we negate responsibilities or anything like that. That's not the point of this. The point is we can, we can, do, we can learn together of, of this whole sense of being. So Jesus offers a plan B to a type A like Martha, and some of us are here today that are like that. Many, maybe many of us are like that. Here's the thing. I really believe this speaks to any type of person today. Because we all can get pulled away about from the main thing and keeping the main thing and what it's about. So today, you can take some notes here, some thoughts and fall in plan B for your life. Jesus' plan B for your life. First is this, doing the right things, you know what it can do? It can divert us from the greater thing. Verse 40, it says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. The word distracted here means her attention was drawn away by the burdens of her duties. A, lot, a while back, uh, Chris and I, we, we were invited over a couple for dinner. Um, these are folks that have, and they moved away now, but we got close to them and friends with them. And, and, and we went over to their house and we walked in. It felt like kind of like a, you know, subscription of better homes and gardens. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, the, 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 it was just beautiful. I mean, the, the ambiance and the mood lighting and the whole thing. And, and then they, they laid out this incredible cuisine. I mean, it felt like it was a five-star restaurant. It was the best food I've really honestly ever ate. It was unbelievable. It was a great experience. The only problem was we never saw them. They were so busy in the preparations of the food and everything and the atmosphere. Do you need some more? Do that? It's like they barely sat down enough to eat themselves. And I really, we drove away and like, well, that was beautiful and it tasted good and it was a wonderful kind of thing, but there was something missing. It was them. What we didn't want, it wasn't about their, their food and their, what they're providing. It was about being with them. It, there was a mist that was there. How many easy for us doers to get so busy doing the right stuff, and, but miss the right people in the room? Martha missed the obvious. Who was over for dinner? And Jesus had to say to her, Martha, Martha, Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. What was the one? Him. Him. He, it, it was he who it was all about. The whole occasion was about him. She did what a lot of us do. And I think we can get busy if you've been in, involved in church and serving and people do that all the time is this. And I find myself, well, we can miss, we can miss 
as we do the work of the Lord, we miss the Lord of the work. We can, we can so busy doing the work of the Lord, we miss the Lord of the work and who it's all about. And I'm guilty of this more and more and more. I find myself in seasons, I get busy. And what's busy is right here. Like I can have a good night's sleep and wake up and then it just starts over again. There's a to-do list that forms in my brain. I'm just waking up and thinking about it. So what I've had to do lately, try every day is to do this, is somehow within my first moments of waking up is to find my Bible, go out in the living room, find my Bible and open a song and just start trying to praise God and spend time and my focus on Jesus, having some being time. I do this even before my first sip of coffee. <gasps> Hard to but now the coffee's brewing over there. I got that going already. Okay, don't worry about that. But you know what I mean? If I don't do that, because I can even open my laptop and I can start working on Bible stuff and all that, and I can get so distracted, the emails being in and all that goes on, my phone and all that, taking God's written word. And so I don't know what works for you, but that's for me. I can miss that moment. Don't get caught up in the many things and miss the one thing. It's Jesus, 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 only Jesus who offers plan being and being with him. And that what happens is we'll talk more spills over in the relationships and our very neighbors around us. And we have to be careful. Martha was distracted of the many things. You know what distracts us in the many things? Is right here. Yeah, I'm going there today. This is getting worse. This is getting worse. And I'm talking to myself included. We get so pulled away and get distracted. I love what my daughter did last weekend. She had some friends over, a bunch of, you know, ninth grade girls come over. And, you know, they all have their phones and everything. She says, hey, phone's away. We're not pulling the phones out. Ninth grade girls without their phone. Can you imagine what that would be like? <laughs> so a little bit later in the evening, I came down and, you know, go pass them by and go into the kitchen and they're all in the living room and there's no phones. They're all laughing and goofing off and having fun and everything. And they're, apparently they're playing Wink Assassin. And some of you are like, okay, well, they're now they're playing a murder game. Like it's, at least they're not on their phones. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> The point is the being, it's the being, being together in relationship. It's spending that, that time together. See, I, I got to pick on this a little bit. Have you heard of fubbing? Fubbing is snobbing people when you pull your phone out. And I've seen this more and more again. And can, can you let me know if I do this to you? But you pull your phone out in, in my conversation with you. Oh, yeah, sure. You're, you're, you're fubbing. And what it is, and this is, this is what it is, is you're, you're, you, when you pull this out and you start using your phone in front of me, and we're having a conversation, is you're saying this is more important than us. It's off. We're off on that. So catch ourselves with that. If I do that, let me know. Because it's about the being. Hey, and this reminds us of this. It's many God moments of life happen in the margins. What we can learn is this, that many of the God moments happen in the margins. One of the great challenges in our culture is finding margin. Margin is that, that space between whatever the next thing we need to do. It's creating some space. And yet we live in this tension all the time of there's so many relationships and there's so many busy and we don't have enough time and all that we're doing and all the distractions are going through. And so when we pull out things like this, this seems extra. This seems a lot of work because we're going, man, I don't, can't even manage all the other friendships, relationships at work and friends and school and all what I'm doing. How long am I going to worry about my neighbors? Come on. They got problems. They got issues. I don't want to get involved with that. And so we miss something is this, is we're not, it, the space isn't there available. Why is it? It's priorities. 
So we, 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 there's a pace that happens when you don't have the space is because you're not, you don't have the pace. The pace is so fast. And we live in this Western culture of productivity and results and relationships and everything that we're doing. And listen, I'm okay. I love technology. I love it. I love microwaves and I love Wi-Fi. Okay. I'm not down on that, but I find myself, I can hide behind technology without really having the person-to-person -person relationship in the, in the conversation. This last week, I caught myself realizing in my texting, like, hey, what if we got together? How novel would that be is actually spend time one-on-one. -on -one. And then the heart-to-heart -heart relationships are so important. See, I, don't, I find personally sharing my feelings in an email is bad because <laughs> people read it wrong. People don't, I don't know how they're reading me. I want to sit across the table with someone. I want to see their inflection. I want to understand where they're at. I want to understand where they're coming from. I want to try to be a listener. It's human-to-human -human contact and relationship that we're, we're needing to do that. The problem is we're in such a doggone hurry, we miss the opportunities that we have before us. I've quoted Dallas Willard many, many times. The late, great Dallas Willard says this about hurry. Hurry is a, the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. We have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. How do you get rid of it? How do you get hurry out of your life? It's finding margin. It's reprioritizing yourselves and looking at, because this is what I found with hurry is this. I make mistakes when I'm in a hurry. Have you done that? I, I've had car accidents. I've had, or others have had car accidents that are in a hurry. I've had situations where I do poor work. And more importantly is this, in my hurry, I've been insensitive to people's feelings. And I just blow people through because I'm, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I'm missing those moments. We can't let hurry cause. It's like a disease and we have to deal with it. And so we're so busy in our lives to stop. And you know what? Being good neighbor is just being available, being available. I want you to know if we're, if we're neighbors next door, uh, uh, I'm mechanically declined. Okay. Just want you to know that. So like if something breaks at your house, uh, don't call me, you know, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, okay? You're going to, you find somebody else to do that. But what I can do, and maybe you're thinking the same way, what can I offer my neighbors or whatever? Listen, you can offer your availability. You're available. And that availability is, uh-huh, yeah, 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 I'll see you, Bob. Have a good day. It's taking moment. And it might be the moments where that awkward moment when you both go out to get your garbage can from the road, like, <laughs> Oh, hey, how's it going? You, me, you too? Okay, you know. And just go like, hey, walk toward them and see what they do. They're, they'll probably stop like, okay, what's going on here? Hey, how's it going? How's life, man? How's, how's, how, what's, how's life? How, what, what's, tell me what, what's new, what's late, you know. And, and just have five minutes. What would five minutes do? An extra little bit. It's margin. How do you do that? You have to create space. You have to prioritize. So I don't know what you need to do. Here, here's a question that you ask yourself. Am I living at a pace that allows me to be available to those around me? Am I living a pace that's creating some space to allow those around me? What does that look like for you? Here, here, here's some important. If you don't do that, here's a warning. It's a warning. It's in the story of Martha. It's this. Be careful. Our busyness, you know what it can do? It can lead to having a critical spirit. It can lead to be a critical spirit. Notice Martha, she was the one that stirred the pot. She's the one that created the tension. Everybody's having a wonderful time in the living room with Jesus, worshiping him, listening to him, sitting at his feet, spending time with him. And she is upset. Specifically, she's first upset with her sister. Her sister's a slacker. 
Her sister is a, a person that, 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 you know, is busy doing other things. Or, or Martha's doing other things and, and her sister's doing nothing. She's just sitting, sitting, nothing, right? And, and I got to ask this question. Have you thought of this? Don't you think that Martha wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus too? She, she wanted to, would she not want to be with Jesus? But she's busy. Who's going to do all the work? I can't, well, I'd be great if I could do that, but someone's got to do this, whatever needs to be done over here. Now, you notice it doesn't say, Luke doesn't point out that, 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 that Martha and Mary got into it. It doesn't have that in the text, but you got to know they did at some point. You got to know, right? Mary's over here sitting at the feet of Jesus and, oh, this is so good, Jesus, and everything. This is wonderful to hear and this, this r- wonderful moment with him. And there's Martha, like, waving her over, right? Have you heard anybody like whisper, yell at you? Get over here. Mary, get in here and help me. Come on. You know, and she's, and Mark, Mary's over here. Oh, Jesus, I, you know, I'm worshiping, you know, soaking in everything he's saying, right? So what does she do? She, she pulls rank. She goes a little higher up. And that's what people do when they complain. They're not getting it from people. They complain to God. And so she says this, she said, he came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. If you're a parent, did you ever hear kids do that? You tell them to go do work and they come back. They're not helping me. We're supposed to all, all rake the leaves. They're not helping, right? Not fair. She's crying injustice. She's doing all the grunt work. Here's the thing. We all can get grumpy sometimes, can't we? You could ask my family. I, sometimes they get kind of grumpy and something they would go, kind of? Sometimes, you know. And, and here's the thing. I have little things like I'm, I'm a light guy. Like, I don't know what it is. I come home and there's lights. Everybody just throwing lights on, like frivolously. Do you not, do you not know? And so I, I, I like, you know, kind of like, you know, channel my, my, old, my inner dad. Like, you know, like, don't you realize you got the power bill, right? And I'm flipping lights off. And I kind of, you know, and I, I joke on that as much as it's not a joke, guys. Could turn lights off. But I would say that with some of us, though, is with things like that, it, we can let it things, little things bug us and it actually can kind of harbor some bitterness. Here, here's a question and, and get serious with this is, have you, have, you, have you recently resented someone for, for not stepping up and helping? Have you, is resentment coming to your heart a little bit? It's easy. It can happen that way. We can clean the whole house and everybody is dirtying it up. We can work on a school project or a work project and you do a majority of the work and, 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 and everybody else gets the credit for it. No thank yous. You, didn't, you don't get anybody to thank you. Don't miss this. Stuff does got to get done. Somebody does need to take responsibility. Nothing wrong with holding people accountable. Sometimes you got to have the tough conversation because that's what needs to be done. But don't miss the whole point of this, of this, of the story. It's a hard issue. If you have resentment and you harbor bitterness, it's not about the other person and what they're doing. Now it's become about you. And that's tough. Don't miss it. Listen, if you're doing is making you critical of individuals and organizations, I've even seen it in the church, or people just get out of sorts on something because all they're doing in a sense of entitlement comes on, you need to stop and reflect how it impacts not only the, the, the unity in the church and those around you, but more importantly for you and your disconnection with your relationship with God. Think about this. Martha is near Jesus, but not with Jesus. 
Jesus didn't care about a clean house and a hot meal. What he cared about was her. See, when we look at the Martha, where maybe she's harboring bitterness, is this. And if you're like her, you can miss it. Don't misunderstand Jesus' motive and response to her. It wasn't a reprimand, though she maybe thought it was. It was an invitation to plan B, to be with him. See, finally know this, being with Jesus prepares you to be with people. Jesus' invitation was was for us to join him in what? In the greater thing, the one. What is the one? It's him, to be with him. He invites us in to sit at his feet on a daily basis and throughout the day, the moments that we can have to be with Jesus. And these are the moments he promises in scripture. Come to me, you are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. So you can find rest for your souls. I love where he says in John, he says, this is the work. This is God's work. Or this is the work of God. It's this, to believe in the one sent. What's the work? What's the work of God? To believe in the one sent. It's about being. And you could call it the power of presence. It's spending time daily. And and as we do today, you chose to gather weekly to sit at the feet of Jesus in worship and in teaching. It's where we gather in living rooms. If you're not in a small group, stop making excuses and be in a small group. Get in a small group, work at it. We'll figure out a way if it doesn't fit in your time schedule and your days of the week or whatever, let's work together. It's so important to be together in relationship and sitting and spending time with the Lord, not just individually, collectively to do that. I tell you, when we do that, it spills over into the relationships that we we have. And even this, people sense God's presence in your life, even non-believers, they might not know, they might not articulate like, well, I sense the Holy Spirit in you. They don't, they don't even know what that is. They, they sense, hey, there's something different about you in a good way. What is that? They're intrigued by that. That's a spirit in you. I love what Luke writes in Acts, his, his writing later after Luke, the book of Luke. He says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus, don't you want that to be on your resume? Don't you want that when people reputation like, man, they're not maybe the sharpest and the smartest. They're not the most educated in the background, their pedigree, but you know something about them? Can't deny it. They've been, they've been with Jesus. They know Jesus. Oh man, I want that for my life. Cause that, that, that is where, that's where the work of Jesus happens in the lives of the people around us. But to get there, you know what you need to do? You need to soak yourselves in Jesus. You need to spend time and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up and to soak him in and his power and his presence. Then what happens is it gets transferred in you and out of you, including even your very neighbors and practicing the presence of God. And we're going to do that here in a moment. I invite our team to come. And as they come and prepare, we're going to have a moment here together. I have this question, and it's a very simple question. As we wrap this up, they wrap the whole series up is this. Have you accepted Jesus' plan B for your life? Have you accepted Jesus' plan B for your life? Jesus says, Martha, 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 
(laughs) Put your name in there. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed one. Choose me. The one is me. The one for you in all the distractions. In fact, right now, stop. Stop thinking about what you got to do next. Just because these guys went up here now, okay, we're wrapping up and I got this and I got to buy food and I got the party. Stop, stop. Let's take this moment. You and I, let's just take this moment and let's practice the presence of God. Let's take a moment here to be with Jesus. As we sing, this is a beautiful old hymn. Just to be reminded, this is a friend that we're, we're with. Just like Mary and Martha, and Matt, I mean, this is a friend. This is, this is someone they know. Let's take this moment to be with our friend, to be with our Lord, so we can have a soul that is well. Let's sing this together and we'll pray together.